message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. How are you all doing today? Good. You're really doing good. So you don't even, you don't even need the sermon this morning. Just go home. You're doing good. Now we should be doing good, huh? You don't want to be like the guy, some of you guys might be like the guy you know that one day he was going across town, he got off the freeway, and he stopped at the uh, gas station about a mile down the road, and he jumped out with a baseball bat, and he started hitting the truck, hitting, hitting. he was sweating, man, he hit the truck, hit the truck, he jumped back in, and then the people who were watching him thought, that was strange. They saw him take off, and he got stopped at a long stoplight, and he jumped out again and got the bat, started hitting around the truck, they go, what the heck? He went another quarter mile down the road, stopped going to 7-Eleven real quick, and he did it again. And so these people, they were following him going, we got to find out what this is about. This is crazy. So they finally asked him, he said, well, what's going on? He said, well, you got to see. He said, I have a five-ton truck, a three-ton truck, excuse me, and I'm carrying five tons of parakeets in it, and I got to keep two of them in the air flying at all times. <laughs> Does that typify your life? Some of you look pretty frazzled. You look like you've been through it. You're beating the truck, you know. Maybe you're like the other guy. We're going to talk about the Word of God today, and I, I need you to hear. And uh, I need you to hear. Uh, so why don't we just get into it? Well, I, I, I got some funny things in my mind. I've been reading jokes all day. And why not? I'll remind you of the other one, because this might be some of you here today. You've you got to hear what, what you need to hear, right? Because there was this old guy, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor told him, said, you're in bad shape. Here's, here, here's the situation. And so the old guy left, and the doctor never saw him again. Never. I mean, it was months and months. Never, the guy never came back, and the doctor thought he was in pretty bad shape. And so one day the doctor's down the road, and he sees the guy coming, and he's got this girl, about 30 years younger, 40, with a miniskirt on, man. He had her on his arm, and, and he was hooping it up, and the doctor goes, hey, hey, hey. He said, don't you remember me? I'm your doctor. He said, yeah. He said, well, what, what the heck are you doing? He said, well, I'm just taking your advice, doctor. You said to get a hot mama and be cheerful, not just what I'm doing. He said, no, I told you you had a heart murmur. Be careful. But he heard what he wanted to hear. And today, I don't need you to hear what you want to hear. I want you to hear what you need to hear. And uh, so, Father God, right now, I got a simple sermon, nothing deep, but it's simple, it's powerful, it'll change our lives. Guide and lead me right now. Help me get through this in Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. amen. Choose. To believe. How, how would our life be different today if we really, really, really chose to believe the Word of God? What if we really did? What if we really, really, really believe that the Word of God taught us that what a man sows he'll reap? Would that affect the way that we give? Would that affect the way we care, the way we love the way we bless others. What if? I mean, really, honestly, if you really believe that, you would change the way you're doing some things. If you believe what you give out comes back, hmm, who am I talking to? See, at any point in the message, if it, if it hits home, you can just get up and leave, right? Just, I got what I came for. No, not really. But sometimes that might need to be the case. What, if we really, really, really believe the Lord is fixing to come back, and that this war in Israel is just a precursor to that war in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and, you know, God's just maybe given us this war to get our attention. What if you really, really believe the Lord was coming back next week? What would you do this week? 
hopefully there's some of you that say, I wouldn't really change a whole lot because I'm living the best I can every day. What if you really, really, really believe Romans 8, 28, for my God shall cause all things to work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. What if you really, 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 really believe that? Would it make a difference in the way you see trials? Would it make a difference in the way you see problems? What especially if you young people, especially, I mean everybody, but especially young people, really, really believed in Matthew 6.33 that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else in life will be added to you. Doesn't even say you necessarily have to pray for it. If you will take care of God's problems, he'll take care of your problems. What if we really, really, really believe that? You young people going, I just want a husband, I want a wife. If you really applied yourself to that verse, God would make sure you got it. What if we really, really believed that our prayers that are prayed according to God's will would not only be heard, but they'd be answered? Would that affect the way we live? If we took things to prayer and go, okay, he's going to answer it now. I mean, wouldn't you be more joyous? Wouldn't you be more carefree during the course of the day? What if you really, really, really believed that in the morning when you run out of the house to go to work, that the Holy Spirit's in the car waiting in the passenger seat, and he's going to go with you all day long. He's going to listen to everything you say. He's going to watch every one of your actions. He's going to be with you all day. I mean, come on, or an angel, at least guardian angel also. Uh, well, what if you really, really believe that verse that I know I, you got to get used to my style of preaching. If I have something that's really on my heart, I'll repeat it for six months. If you remember last year, there was a phrase I repeated a lot. If you live by faith, you'll do things you wouldn't ordinarily do to get things you wouldn't ordinarily get. God gave that to me, and I, I, I pounded it in your head. I pounded it. I pounded it. Three years ago or four, I used that phrase, no more time for duh, Christianity. And I repeated it, repeated it. Lately, I've been repeating Philippians 2.13, 2.13, 2.13, 2.13, where it says that God is always working in our heart to cause us to prefer something over another, to desire something that we wouldn't have not normally desired. I mean, if you really, really believe that every day God was putting desires in your heart, would that cause you to live differently? What if you really, really, really believed in God's Word, where it says in every trial after you suffered for a while that He would show up in the midst of that trial? What if you believe that? Would you not be looking for Him? Would you not be looking for Him? I mean, just simple things. I got my friend Jimmy from the gym here today. I went to the gym uh, the other morning, and I was just beat up. I was so tired Saturday. I said, God, please have someone encourage me. Just encourage me. I feel like I'm worthless today. And he goes, man, the sermon's so good, Sunday. And that, that, see, I was looking for God. I said, you've got to do something. Wow. Now, all of these promises are in the Bible and more. I don't have time to talk about them all, but it's our, our job to believe in them. Now, I'm going to give you some promises. Now, listen to me. Do you understand? I feel like almost today I need to go back to some of the elementary principles of the kingdom lifestyle. Do you understand that, that a large part of the Bible is dedicated to answering Christians' questions about life. See, the people in the Bible went through a lot of the same stuff we're going through today, and God anointed prophets and pastors and teachers and men of God and women of God. He anointed them in that day to answer their questions. He anointed them to answer their questions, their they're just ordinary people, but God's anointing was upon them. See, the Bible is divine, every word of it. And these people were going through problems, and 
They needed answers, and God anointed a man or woman to give them an answer to their problems. And whatever he said to them, he would say to us today who have the same problems. For example, they had anxiety problems. Any of you have anxiety problems? Nobody? Am I preaching to the wrong crowd? They had anxiety problems. And God said, here's what you're to do. He anointed the prophet to talk to them. He anointed the man of God to talk to them. So when you got anxiety, here's what you're to do. You're to go pray and pray until you sense a spirit of peace in your heart. And once you do, that peace will be a sign that God's got it. Wow. And if you can rest assured that God's got it, you don't have to do any stupid things to try to fix it yourself. But see, in the old Pentecostal church, we used to have a phrase called praying through. Now listen to me. We don't want to throw out everything in these old-fashioned churches that we grew up in. They had some good points. And praying through was simply praying until you feel you got a hold of God. For example, if you're praying and you haven't taken authority over spirits yet, and in this particular situation you might need to do that, or you're praying and you've not confessed your sins yet, and, this, and in this particular situation you need to do that, then you haven't prayed through yet and you're not going to get that peace. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you pray, you cover every base, and once you get a hold of the hem of the garment of Jesus, you will know it. Like the little lady with the issue of blood. When she got a hold of the hem of the garment of Jesus, she knew, she knew, I'll be made well if I can just get a hold of the hem of his garment. That's praying through. Pray until you get the peace that passes understanding. There's many times I go into my prayer room and I pray and I pour out my heart to God. I pray, pray, pray. And all of a sudden this divine peace comes and I go, okay, God, we're finished then. But that peace has nothing to do with my ability to figure out what's going to happen. It's peace beyond understanding. I just know he's got it. And so they went through anxiety and they went to God. They went through anger issues and they went to, to God and prayed and God sent a man of God to answer their problem of anger issues. And basically, I can put a lot of scriptures together and show you, if you want to stop being angry, just stop thinking angry thoughts. Duh. Say with me, duh. 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 And so, he would say the same thing to you. When you have anger, he'd say the same thing to you. They had immoral problems. They went to God, and God said, stop hanging around with immoral people. He taught them, stop feeding the lust the TV, the movies, the fantasy, stop feeding it and see what happens. He answered their problem. Bad marriages. They had bad marriages in those days. Did anybody have tough marriages here today? Don't raise your hand if you're with your spouse. <laughs> Some of you might need to start praying what my wife prayed, heal him or kill him. But he said, if you have bad marriages, here's what you do. Husbands, start loving your wives like Christ loved the church. And women, respect your husbands. They need the respect. Now, this week, I mean, devotions. I, I was going to go through, I knew I didn't have time, every day's devotions this week. I was going to go through them with you and show you what you needed to, to, to have gotten out of those passages. But what one devotion really stuck out in my mind. Did you read the one about the tongue? Did you see anything about the tongue this week? Maybe I read the wrong devotion. You're all looking at me like, maybe I read the wrong one. People get stuck in life because of an undisciplined mouth. They gossip, they argue, they have a bad attitude, they gripe and they complain, and then they wonder why they're not promoted. They wonder why their marriage is bad. They wonder why their kids are disrespectful. The kids don't respect them because of undisciplined tongue. I mean, that one day, when you read about the tongue, all day long, you're supposed to focus on that and go, okay, this is today's devotional. I'm going to focus. I'm going to meditate on this. Uh, see, some of us, we've talked a certain way for so long, it seems natural. 
seems natural. Come on, guys, would you help me out here? Help me not feel alone. How many times have I heard my wife say, don't talk to me that way? Any guys relate to that? Come on, you, you never hear that? What did I say? It was the tone of your voice. The tone of my voice. That's the way I always talk. That's your problem. That's the way you always talk. I'm Italiano. I just say what's on my heart. My wife, bless her little heart, when she gets in the car with me, she's my buddy driver. She tells me how fast I'm going. She tells me how I'm not watching the road. She slaps my hand when I pick up my phone to look at it. And she listens to my phone conversations. She says, do you always talk to everybody like that? I said, yeah. I just want to tell them what to do. Yeah, but you could have been nicer. Am I preaching? No, no man ever hears this. The ladies are clapping. They're clapping. You want to get serious here? I, I read this last week. One of the reasons women fall into depression is because they don't have the blessings of their husbands. So they don't feel valued or appreciated. Mm. Mm. I know that devotional I read on the tongue this week, really, I mean, that's what I, I thought about all day long was my tongue, my tongue, my tongue. See, some of us just talk too much. <laughs> Hello? Some of us don't talk enough. Some of us don't say the right things. You know, I grieve a lot about some of the things that sometimes through the years in unguarded moments I will say from the pulpit that I wished I wouldn't have said. And it, it warned us right there in that chapter. It says not all of you should become teachers because teachers are going to say a whole lot of more things that they're going to be held accountable for. But I don't have a choice. I just got to get it taken care of. Now, God addresses a problem they have in James. They said, our prayers aren't being answered. He said, because you're not praying according to God's will. I did a sermon on that. If you prayed according to God's will, your prayers would be answered. They had a problem with some people messing up unity in the church. And you know what the, the prophet said to them? He said, kick them out. If they're causing problems with unity, kick them out. That's in the Bible? That's in the Bible. Lawsuits. They were suing one another. See, there was a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. They were having a lot of problems. And I don't think it was because some of the people that said they were saved really weren't saved. I think they were all Christians, most of them. It's just they had not had, had enough time to be sanctified yet. And they were having lawsuits with one another. And God answered their problem of lawsuits. He said, stop going to the courts of law in your county. Stop going to the heathen courts and let the elders and the wise people among you settle your cases for you. He said, that, that's the way you solve that problem. We do this here at Valley. We've done it several times. We'll have people come in, a brother suing a brother, and we'll have them write a thing that they'll agree with our counsel. We'll get five elders together, and we will choose what we think they should do. And in the Bible, he says, why would you have people that came to hear God's voice decide your cases? Problem with bad leaders. He said, okay, they were having problems with bad leaders. We got bad leaders. He said, follow my checklist. I'll give you a checklist. Amoral issues. They, they were trying to figure out what well, we try to figure out sometimes. What is a sin and what isn't a sin? I mean, you know, can I drink a, a, a bottle of beer? Can I do that? Uh, can, I, can I go to a dance? Can I, can I gamble? We have those same problems. Saying he gave them three rules in Corinthians. He said, first is the environmental rule. Where do you have to go to do that sin? If it's a bad environment, you don't want to do it. The second was brother's conscience rule. If, you're, if you offend a brother's conscience, you can't do whatever you're doing. See, right now, I would love to gamble a little bit when I go in Vegas. I, it's just enjoyable to me to take 20 bucks, whatever, but I can't because I offend people's conscience over there. A lot of people in our church over there have really gambling problems, and I can't do that. And then they said addiction problem. If that, if that thing you want to do, maybe, maybe you can't classify it as a sin. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. He said, but if it'll get you addicted to something, then it's not good. And the other is the absurdity rule. Uh, so, and I could go on and on and on. I mean, I keep you here all day. The people in the Bible went through some of the same problems you went through. 
And whatever answer God gave them through his anointed vessels, he'll give you the same answers. You don't need to even ask anymore. Just look and see what he told them. Uh, the Word of God just, just blows me away. The temptation of Christ. Uh, I was reading that on my own this week. And, and let me just go through this with you real quick, and I don't have time to say a lot. I've got a lot to do here, and I'm watching the clock. Look at Matthew 4, verse 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and I can, I can equate with this. I only do three, but 40 days, 40 nights. He then became hungry. Now, I want to tell you something about fasting. After you fast 40 days, 40 nights, see, your hunger leaves. On the third day of fasting, your hunger pretty much stops leaving. When it does come back at around 40 days or whatever, it means you've got to get food in your body quickly or you could die. So at the end of the 40-day fast, the tempter came to him. Now, doesn't he usually come to us when we're weak? At our weakest moments, he comes. He's the tempter. He's been tempting you guys this week. Did you know that? He's been tempting you. I almost, my sermon today was almost on demons and angels. That'll probably be in two or three weeks. Can you handle it? Because we don't even believe in them. We really don't. We don't believe in them. That, that's for another time. The tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered them with the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, you don't understand. The raiments that come from God and my Father, they are as important to me as physical meals in a given day. You don't understand that. Do you get that? Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they'll bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He's quoting the word to him. Interesting. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay? Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only serve him. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came to minister to him. Now, there's three lessons we'd learned from this text. I don't have time to go over all three, but I'll go over the first one for sure. The devil wanted Jesus to be more concerned about his comfort than his character. He said, right now, you need to use your divine power to make yourself comfortable. Use your divine power to fill your stomach. Use your divine power to get rid of the pain of hunger. I know you're hungry. It's been 40 days, a long time. So right now, use your power to make yourself comfortable to, to ease these hunger pains. Turn the stones into bread. Get rid of your hunger pains. So many Christians today believe that God is a genie in the bottle. Today, you're going to have people stand on the prayer lines probably and say, fix me now. I want to be fixed now. I want God to use his divine power to fix my problem now. Heal me today. Give my wife back to me today that I've been mistreating like crazy. Take the pain away now. An instant society now. Can I tell you something? God doesn't very often want to take your pain away now on your demand. Again, I'll go back to an old story, and let me just give you this part. Where I was dying of leukemia. And Belinda Matley came up, had a word from God for me, and I knew it was a word from God. It was one of them that I used to throw away my chemotherapy. But she said, God showed me you were out on a lake yesterday in my prayer time. You were out in a lake in a boat with no oars, and I want to swim out and help you. And God said, no, that's right where I want him. I knew it was from God. I knew it was from God right away. God said, I don't want to take your pain away right now your emotional pain of, of thinking you're dying. I don't want that gone right now. we got to sort through some things in the context of this. I don't want to fix you right now. You need to go through what you're going through. 
See, God's more concerned about our character than he is our comfort. And sometimes he uses pain, our, our pain and discontent for his glory. He, he will hit, you're his kid. He loves you and he cares about you. But we can't take all of our kids' problems away right away. In fact, if we do, we're being a bad parent. Sometimes you've got to let them work through it, all right? Don't we let them work through it? Let them think about it for a while. Have we ever told them, go, go in your room and think about it for a while? That's what good parents do. Why does God want us to process our pain very often? Number one, he wants to make us more relatable to other people. To be able to look somebody in the eyes with tears in our eyes and say, I, I've been through that. I know how you feel, bro. Sister, I know how you feel. I really do. To draw us to the altar. If he always took care of our problems just like this, we would never see a need to come to the altar and spend time with him. For some of you here today, says, I haven't seen you for a long time. So I think I'm going to let some problems come into your life and let them stay for a while. Because I want to see you at the altar. To make us long for heaven. This earth's not our biting place. Number four, to show us things about ourselves about ourself. I was going through a problem decades ago, and man, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wrestled with having anything to preach. I was frustrated, and I was going through this frustration period saying, man, I, uh, everything bad's happening to me. I, 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 can't, I can't even come up with sermons right now. I was just struggling. And some ladies in our church said, Ron, you might think this is crazy, but there's a couple prophet guys in Canada, and these guys hear God like no other. We've had them praying for you the last few weeks because we know you've been struggling. If you'd like to talk to them, I'll give you their number. So I called these guys, and they said some really crazy stuff, which prophets normally do. I did perceive they were from God, and most of those guys like that, I, whatever. But I perceive these guys were from God. And they said, number one, they said, uh, the devil's the one harassing you. And they said specifically demons. It's the ruler demons over the Bakersfield area that are harassing you. And I said, I started laughing. I said, why would they harass me? <laughs> I mean, like I'm a threat to them. I'm the most simple guy in the world. I'm not a threat to them. They said, your simplicity is what threatens them. You call an ace an ace, a spade a spade. That threatens them. And they went on to say, but they, another thing that's, that's allowing them to to do this to you is you're not treating your wife as a fellow heir of the kingdom. You're treating her wrongly. And until you correct that, God's going to let them harass you. Whoa. Right away, instantly, because I walk with God, I knew they were telling me the truth. And I knew that I had not been treating my wife as a proper inheritor of the kingdom. I used to always kind of have this attitude, I'm the godly man. I hear God. You don't. That kind of thing. This is when I was really young, in my 20s. And so God used that trial, see, to show me some things about myself. He didn't take it away. He let me wrestle with it a long time until I was ready and willing to hear what he wanted to say to me. And then when I did, he, he took it away. Uh, sometimes he allows some of our problems to exist because we're not submitting to God. Uh, Sometimes he wants us to see plainly the repercussions of our sinful behavior. And so he lets them go on and on until we see it. I give. I'm not doing that anymore. He said, okay, that's all I wanted. Do you see as a loving father, he's very responsible, just like we are? Son, sweetheart, daughter, go to your room and think about it a while. I want you to think about it the rest of the evening. He does the same thing. But somehow in the kingdom, we've got this idea that we ought to come up and get fixed right away. And God says, not always. Well, I'm going to lead you into more here in a second. Uh, sometimes he'll allow problems to come into our lives simply to show the world his glory. You remember the story of death of Lazarus? He said that he's not going to die. This, this problem is for the glory of God. Do you ever thought of that? There are sometimes, see, Andre Crouch used to sing a song. I used to be a big Andre Crouch fan. And he said, if we never have a, never had a, he sings in this song through it all. He says, if we never had a problem, we would not know our God could solve them, and we would not know what faith in him could do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. He would sing that song over and over again. And so very often, God says, 
I've allowed this problem to come in your life so that through prayer and using your spiritual authority and depending on me and having faith in me, we'll have a miracle come out of it, a God story for all your loved ones to see. And they'll see how big your God is. Sometimes you've got to be open to that. As sometimes God allows problems to come just for his glory. So, I'm watching the clock here. I don't have very long. But the devil wanted Jesus to use kingdom powers to promote, promote uh, comfort over character. And he says, no. See, can I say something? Let me just say one more thing before I go. D don't waste your pain. A lot of you, you know, you waste your pain. You, you, you waste your trials. You know, Romans 8.20, for God shall cause all things to work together for good. Uh, see, what you're going through right now might not be pleasant. And God might be using a sermon today to say, I'm going I'm to get you out of it. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to take care of you, but not, not yet. You need to be out in the boat with no oars for a while. Uh, see, what you're going through right now, God's going to use this whole circumstance somewhere down the road for his glory. You're just looking at one piece of the puzzle. Have you ever looked at one piece of a puzzle without seeing the big puzzle? And you go, this doesn't make sense. This is stupid. The shape of it, this doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't until it gets placed into the puzzle. Then it makes perfect sense. Now, I want you to picture a rug. I got a picture of a rug I want to show you. That's a pretty rug. But look at each little strip. Would that strip by itself be pretty? Look at the little jaggedy, not even straight lines, little blobs of purple. Uh... You know, it's all jaggedy. Those look like pieces of material you'd throw away. But when you put it together in a rug, look, it's a pretty rug. God says, my God shall cause all things to work together, not alone. Trust God with your problems. Praise Him. Believe that he has the power to work them into the plan for his life. A guy one day was walking along the road. He was hiking, man. He was out there hiking, and he slipped and fell. And he fell like 10, 20 foot down. He grabbed a hold of a bush that was growing outside the mountain, and there was like 200 feet below him, straight down. He was holding on in a desperation. He said, Anybody up there? Anybody up there? And God says, I'm here. What do you need, son? He says, I need help. I need help. He says, let go. What? Let go. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Sometimes God says, just let me have your problems. Let me have them. Pray through and then let me have them. And then rejoice. I've got them. I've got this. I've got this. And I'll, I'll take it down the road somewhere and I'm going to put it into the puzzle. I'm, it's part of my plan for your life. See, your, 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 your past cannot stop you from being successful in God's kingdom. I love it. This church is pretty rough here. You might be here today. You're a stripper. You're a prostitute. You're a drug addict. You're a gang, gang banger. So what? So what? We were all sinners when we came to Christ, every one of us. Your sin's just different than my sin. God will use it for his glory if you fully turn that life over to him. Because that's what he does. He cares more about your character than your comfort. I don't have time to go on the story, but the second one is the devil tries to get Jesus to use his authority for his own purposes. Uh, he says, throw yourself off and make the angels come and save you. Uh, use it for your own purposes. Now, see, I believe that we have spiritual authority. But authority is not given to us for our own purposes, for the glory of God. And I believe in spiritual authority prayers. I don't believe you should even pray if you pray some little whimsical, whimsy, flimsy, you know, pathetic, oh, God, here I am again today. Help me, Savior, help me. Oh, help me, man, help me. I don't even think you should waste your breath. Uh, I did one of those prayers one day. I told you this old story, but I was thinking the other day, I was telling somebody about it. After church on a Sunday, I had preached three services in Vegas, and I got together with Doug and Vicki Loman, and we were going to Arizona because their son Seth played on the Angels baseball team, and they were having practices, and we went. And so Doug was driving, and, and I was trying to keep up with him, man. He was driving fast. And it was dark, and we got 
partway down the road, and I told Debbie, I said, I kind of think there might be a high patrol following me. I'm not sure, but I think so. And Doug kept going faster, and I kept faster. So I said, he didn't pull me over. Yeah, it's been eight miles, so whatever. When we get out of the mountains, man, his red light came on. And this dude came up, and was he mad? He went and chewed Doug out, and he said, you stay right there. I'm coming back for you. And he came back and said, what do you think you're doing? I said, I just follow my buddy who chose to drive fast there. That's all. Tried to throw him under the bus. And he said, man, you were on his tail all that way. So what's the matter with you? He said, man, I can't believe you guys the way you drive. I'll be right back. And he went back. And Debbie said, right now we're going to pray. What? We're going to pray you do not get a ticket today because you gave God everything you had today. You preached three times. Come on, Ron, pray. And I said, Father God, let the ticket not be a lot. I said, God, <laughs> cause him just to get me for one thing, not three. God, please. And my wife said, that's the most pathetic prayer I've ever heard. Just let me have it. Father God, in Jesus' name, we don't want a ticket. Ron gave his all to you today. He preached today. We don't have the money. We don't have the time to travel. In Jesus' name. And our patrol came back. He says, heard you're going to a ball game. I said, yeah. Really? Who are you going to see? I thought, where's your evil twin brother? What happened, man? We just had a switch here somewhere. He said, you know what? I like the angels too. And I, you know what? You just have a good day, all right? I'm not even going to give you a ticket. I, whoa. I believe there's time for authoritative prayers. Don't pray wimpy prayers. God, you need to save my kid. Save my kid. No, don't just pray. Say, God, save him and make him into a giant for your kingdom. Let every word that he says be anointed. My daughter, I pray that she would be a, a kingdom person. God, you know, pray authority. Or don't pray at all. Father God, I need a new job. They're being mean to me here. They're being mean to me. God, give me a new job. They're being mean to me. God, I know I'm coming today for the 10th time, but they're being mean to me. Give me a new. Don't pray that. Pray say, Father God, give me a new job so I have so much more money and I can tithe more into the kingdom and I can give to these go bags for foster kids and I can give to the mission. You know, man, pray. Pray with authority. But, but you can't use your authority for your own will. Do you get it? And that's what the devil was trying to get Jesus to do, to use his authority for his own will. It's just for God's will, for his kingdom. I went through that with you. The name it, claim it thing. And lastly, he wanted Jesus to compromise his values for riches. Oh, do I have a lot to say about that. That clock, man, it's got, if I preach long, it's, it's a fault of that, that lights are shining. I can't see it. It's, okay, we got 10 more minutes. Can you, how, can you save me 10 more? Okay. The Word of God is packed with wisdom that changed our lives if properly understood. Last week we read this passage in James, and uh, I'm just going to read it out of my Bible. Sometimes we just need to whip our Bible out. Sometimes I even wonder if we're sinning by putting all the verses on the board for you and not having you bring your Bible. But James 5 uh, was one of our texts. I'm going to say two more things to you, and then I'm out of here. And, and we've got to understand James 5 correctly. See, let me tell you something. It's very important you choose the right church to go to. How do I know the right church? Real simple. First of all, inquire information about the pastor's wife. Because she's the glory of her husband. If she's down and depressed, babe, are you hearing this back there? I hope you are. <laughs> or maybe you're out here. Uh, then you know what? That man's probably not the man you want to listen to. Look at his children. Are his kids strong in the kingdom? If not, if that man can't get it right in his own household, how in the heck is he going to get it right with you? Look at his kids. Look at his spouse. And then see if what he's teaching is livable. And see if he has any God stories as a result of his teaching. If he doesn't, then, you know, don't follow him. Find the right church. Find the person in the lead that, that, that you want your life to be like theirs. Uh... And so what I'm saying, and they teach right doctrine. Now, th this passage has been misused so much, so much. Let me just do this, do another thing, and I'm out of here. James 5, I'm going to start with verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. If anyone among you is sick, now this word sick here is asthenio. In the Greek, it, it means all kinds of sickness. It means 
emotional sicknesses, physical sicknesses, spiritual sicknesses. It's just a generic word. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Call for the elders. Why? Are the elders' prayers better than your prayers? No, not really. We're all children of God. But the elders afford a luxury that some of you don't. We don't have to go to work 40 hours a week. We get to stay before God a whole lot. So we should really be in tune. That's, I think that's one of the reasons it calls for the elders. They should really be in tune. They're, they're praying all the time. They're staying before the Lord. And it says, and the prayer, verse 15, offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Now, there's two things we have to see there. The word sick there has changed. The word is camno. It's only used one other time in Scripture. And it means ready to collapse from overwork. It means faint. It means uh, totally perplexed, burned out. And, and I think the implication is here that those things being burnt out, overstressed, perplexed, depressed, those things can cause physical illnesses. In fact, majority of physical illnesses are caused by those things. And it says, this, that's the word for sick there, and it says it'll restore them. The prayer offered in faith will restore them, and that means uh, save them from what is about to come. It'll give them direction. Uh, and says, the Lord will raise him up, and he's committed sins, he'll forgive him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Effective and fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much, and it goes about Elijah being a man like us. Uh, I'm going to say two things here. This is very important. You elders, listen to me. You prayer people, listen to me. The people that come up and ask for prayer, and, and if it's physical ailments, there's a good chance that those physical ailments are going to be being caused by something spiritual, emotional. Not all the time, but some of the time. And then some of the people come to be prayed for also might have any illnesses for the glory of God, you know. So I want you all to be very, very sensitive. So when people come up for prayer, and they're supposed to come up, uh, I want you to be very sensitive to what God is saying while you're praying for them. Uh, many times I'm praying for somebody who's sick. They've got gut problems or whatever, and they're saying, man, heal me, I'm in pain. And during the prayer, God revealed to me that you're not giving your problems to God. You're stressing all the time. Is that true? Oh, well, how'd you know that? God's telling me you've got to start giving him your problems. Uh, your diet is horrible. Your diet is horrible. See, the way God's healed me in my life from cancers is not the way he heals everybody. Please hear me and understand. My theology is really big. I believe in the God of miracles. You can come on a prayer line and God can heal you miraculously on the spot. You understand that? And it does happen. Immediately, he, he does miracles. He can still heal the lame. He can still heal the blind. He can still, he can do all that. But in my own life, the way he heals me a lot is during prayer. You say, you got to start drinking water. You're not drinking any water, and this is bad on the joints. You have medicines, and you need to be washed through. You got to drink water. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got and he leads and guides me through that. And elders have to be sensitive to that, okay? Now, bless you. You need some antihistamines, <laughs> saith the Lord. I'm not going to teach on this passage today, but I want you to see that the definition of the word there is to save you from what's about to come about. He's going to give you wisdom through these elders. He's going to give you guidance and counsel. Your body's made to automatically heal itself. So without preaching on that, I want to end with this thing right here. A lot of you don't know God, our healer. You, you never met him. You never come into contact with that aspect of God. When my daughter called me decades ago, Dad, we're going through something, it's physical. I said, babe, we know the healer. We know. We know how God heals. 
See, now, now, now let me end with this. It's a very important thing. Abraham was the father of our faith. A man that was called the friend of God. You read about a story in Genesis where he was told to take Isaac up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Now, up until that point, up until that point, Adam had known God as creator, and he had known him as almighty God. He knew two aspects of God real well. But when he went up and laid Isaac on the altar, knowing that God was going to do something big, and God did provide a lamb for the sacrifice, on that day, Abraham learned a new aspect of God. He named him Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. Now he knows three aspects of God. As you grow and grow, God will reveal to you on and on a new aspect of God. Until you get older like me, and then in the Bible, I said the Bible, I'm not saying this. There's a real emphasis put on older people in the Lord, older women and men. Uh, the Bible says that answered prayers are for the glory of God. When you go through stuff and you see a different aspect of God and God answers your prayer, that's for the glory of God. The word glory in Hebrew and Greek means heaviness, weightiness. In my day and age, when we were growing up as teenagers, if we saw something really cool, we'd go, heavy, man, heavy, dude. That was heavy. Did you see that, how heavy that was? In other words, man, that, that, that really made a, an impression on me. Wow. Whoa. And when you get these new aspects of God revealed to you, it comes via glory, heaviness. Wow. God's my provider. That's heavy. If, if Abraham was a 1960s boy, he would say, that was heavy, dude. That was heavy, dude. That was so heavy. God provided for me. Now, the Bible says from glory to glory, he's changing me. That doesn't mean from, good, from bad thing to good thing, from good thing to better, good thing to better, good thing to better. He's changing me, changing me from heavenly things, from earthly things to the heavenly. Now, see, I've grown with God for a lot of years. I know God is my healer. I know God is my revealer. I know God is my empower. I know God is my faithful one. I know God as being enough. I know God is my adapter. I know God is my transformer. I know God is my blesser. And I could go on and on and on and on. I sat and watched rodeo this week. And I thought, man, I'd like to go do that again. I, I did write a bull. One day I was preaching in the church. And I said, I'll do anything. If it's spiritual and if it's legal, I'll do anything. And a bunch of cowboys came up and said, you're riding a bull at Smiley's Arena today, Pastor. You said you'd do anything, right? I was stuck. I watched sports and I think, you know, that ship's already sailed. Because used to, I used to, when I was younger, I'd watch it. Man, I could, might do that someday. I might still be a, a tight end for the Rams, you know. I might go out and ride a bull yet. A bull would kill me today. But God, I know him. It's my divine adapter. I'm plenty happy to watch those young men get the glory for what they're doing, knowing it'll never happen to me. I'm plenty happy with who I am. God is my transformer. I cannot believe. 30 years ago, I see a sexy gal, and I go, oh, oh you know. Today, I'm going, whatever. I didn't have the energy for that if I was even young, you know. Uh, God's my transformer. He's transformed me. I'm not the same person I used to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Did I tell you about my hand surgery? Did I tell you that or did I tell Vegas? I told you the story about why I didn't go have surgery. Thank you. I was hoping I did. I know God as my revealer. Takes really good care of me. I got so much more to say to you. Are you okay? Is that, is that that's all I'm going to give you right now? Time's up. Please. Do you want to be the best Christian in the world? It's within your power. I'll give you an SOS. Study the Word daily and obey what you read. 
and then serve God, and you will be greeted in heaven with hugs from the Heavenly Father. So easy. I got more to say to you, but I'll be back. As Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, I'll be back. Love you guys. You know, the devil gave me, I was saying the other day, I, I have this uh, vertigo. And I got up today and I said, I don't even know if I'm going to go. She's not going to go. I said, well, they got plenty of guys that can preach. And I said, no, I'm going to go. This is God's will. Because I have something to deliver and I'm going to leave it with you. How many of you heard God today? You heard him say something to you. Hang in there. He's got a lot of revealing to do to you. And that's why guys like me are so rock solid in my faith. He's revealed me all these things. I know him as my healer and my adapter. Father God, I could go on and on because I took a caffeine pill because I was really tired. My vertigo was bad. So Father God, right now, let these people go in peace. Let everyone in this building, let them hear all the way home what they're supposed to hear today. If you've never given your life to God, come up here and pray to these people and they'll lead you to the Lord. Love you. See you here, there, in the air. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org.